Welcome to The Little Sleep Show, a podcast about helping your children and family get the sleep you need. Hosted by Laura Meyercourt. Hello and welcome back to The Little Sleep Show. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm an infant and child sleep consultant, and I am extremely passionate about sleep. The purpose of this podcast is just to kind of hold your hand and walk you through some of the big topics about sleep and try to sort of get to the bottom of why these issues are happening with your child. You'll see along the way that many of these sleep challenges are very layered and have many parts to them. So it's not just a very simple fix. And I wanted to address a post on Facebook. My husband actually sent it over to me and it was somebody in Chicago And she was advertising that she could get your child sleeping in a week or less. When I see a promise like that, I just cringe because every single client, every single family that I work with is totally different. I have clients that within three nights, their child was sleeping so much better. And then I have clients that have taken me four or five weeks to actually have a breakthrough. Like I said, there's often many, many issues at play when your child is having a sleep difficulty. And some of that actually might be work that you need to do with yourself. A lot of times it's expectations of parents or anxieties that parents have along with whatever is happening with your child. And it's also the tone of the household too. So it's not just a simple quick fix. And I think when people promise these quick fixes, it's very misleading because a child that sleeps through the night one night or one week or one month is not necessarily going to sleep without help the next week or the next month because sleep is developmental, just like everything else with children. It's funny because we accept the fact that you know, children need lots of encouragement and help with development and they have different stages. But for some reason, we expect that they're going to sleep through the night at a certain age and that's that. And any child that doesn't sleep through the night by this age, there's something wrong with them. That's all totally false. And that's why when I see people promising things like I'll have your child sleeping in one week, sleeping through the night, it's like, that's not even possible. You know, it might be possible temporarily, but it's not going to last. So I just wanted to touch on that because it actually does have to do with the topic of today's podcast, which is sleep regression. Sleep regression is this big, bad topic in the world of sleep. It's the thing that parents dread. It's the thing that most clients, when they call me, tell me that they think their child's going through a regression. And I want to kind of unpack this topic today. There's a lot of information I need to get through. I hope it doesn't take me forever, but this might be a little bit of a longer podcast just because there's so much to this topic. What is a sleep regression anyway? So I looked around, I did lots of research for this podcast because I because I really wanted to get lots of different views of this topic because it's a pretty controversial one, um, especially within kind of my industry. There's people who believe there's sleep regressions. There's people who don't believe there's sleep regressions within experts, communities, um, researchers. There's, again, people who believe and don't believe. There's different names that people call them. So I found a definition on the Baby Sleep site, which is a great website. A sleep regression describes a period of time, about three to six weeks, When a baby or toddler who has been sleeping well suddenly starts waking at night, taking short naps or skipping naps for no apparent reason. 
Parents often describe being caught totally off guard. You think you have conquered all your little one's sleep challenges when suddenly out of nowhere, you're back to constant night wakings and non-existent naps. That's kind of a describes what a regression might look like in a nutshell. And I would say that's pretty accurate for people who are experience a true, experiencing a true sleep regression, which is really a progression because your child is developmentally leaping forward, which is what's causing all the disruptions. So I'll get into that in just a minute. But where did sleep regressions come from? How did they get discovered? Um, what do experts say about them? I wanted to touch on this a little bit because it is, it's a little controversial between different sleep experts. So the idea was born out of actually animal research in Chicago. There was a couple of experts and they noted that the animals who are chimpanzees would typically experience a period of clinginess and neediness that they had previously outgrown once they were about to have a developmental leap. And then they decided to test the theory on humans. They found human babies appeared to cycle through 10 timed regressions between 5 and 75 months. Each period of regression seemed to precede a period of rapid developmental changes. So that's really where a lot of these quote-unquote sleep regressions stem from, is that your baby is changing and developing. And when that happens... You know, when your baby's going through a growth spurt, they eat more. Sometimes they're fussier. Sometimes they sleep more or they sleep less. That We just accept that as fact. So when your child is going through a developmental leap, it's the same thing. They're, they're changing. Their brain is changing. The way they feel emotionally and cognitively is changing. And sometimes they just, they need us more at certain periods of time, particularly during these developmental periods. So these two researchers created the book Wonder Weeks, which I really like, and I've read and used when I was uh, a nanny. I used it a lot. It catalogs the periods of regression, that the causes and how to, and how your baby's behavior might change as a result of them. So the book also suggests different activities and different ways you can support your child through each one of these stages. I think it's a great resource because I think it gives you a pretty accurate window into developmental leaps that your child is going through. It can explain periods of fussiness that we might not otherwise be able to relate to any particular event. I have found it really helpful and I do recommend that parents look into the Wonder Weeks. Now, it's not a Bible, you know what I mean? You can't um, use it as a, it's not a one size fits all, but it is a great tool as part of understanding what's going on with your developing child. Now, when I was doing my research, a lot of the articles I read did repeat the fact that neurologists are just beginning to understand the infant brain and patterns, particularly within the first two years. So, you know, they're very much in the beginning stages of understanding all of this. And so that's why there's different opinions on whether or not there actually are these wonder weeks or sleep regressions or any of that. Experts can say that sometimes when you're a parent and you're expecting certain leaps and certain regressions, it can add more anxiety, which actually can cause sleep challenges, which I believe is true. You know, this, the four month sleep regression, which is just, you know, this mythical beast within the world of child sleep. You know, I've had parents of one month and two month olds, like 
you know, very worried about the four month sleep regression. And it's like, you know, you have to just be present and enjoy what's going on with your child and know that there are going to be periods of regressions with everything, not only sleep, there's going to be regressions with potty training, there's going to be regressions with eating. And it's just because your child is learning to navigate this brand new world, and they're going to leap forward, and then they're going to take a step back because they're frightened or unsure or anxious. And it's our job as parents to support our child through all these periods of growth. So some potential signs of a sleep regression, they're pretty easy to identify. But one caveat is if your child is a pretty decent sleeper overall, then you can identify pretty easily what is a regression and what is not a regression. Sleep is disrupted suddenly. So for example, taking short naps or having difficulty going down for naps, taking very long to fall asleep during nap time or at nighttime, early morning wakings, waking up constantly or waking up very upset or very distressed or in a bad mood, fussiness and crankiness throughout the day. Nursing or feeding can increase drastically during these periods. And then a big one is being very clingy and needing to be held constantly is a, is a pretty good indicator that your child is going through some sort of developmental leap. I'm going to use the term regression in this podcast only because it's the most accepted and known term. Do I believe there's sleep regressions? I believe that they're transitional phases for your child. I don't believe there's such a thing as a sleep regression. I believe that as a whole, sleep is a developmental process like anything else our child is going through. And there's going to be progression and there's going to be regression. So I just wanted to let you guys know that that's why I'm using the word regression in this podcast, not because I 100% believe in this, this idea of sleep regressions. So when are the typical sleep regressions? When do these periods usually pop up? And keep in mind, all of this information is very general. It's going to be completely different for every family and every child. And some children are going to experience some of these and some children are going to experience just a couple of these. And that's, that's okay. It's okay if your child experiences different transitional phases five times between when they're born and 12 months old. Or if they experience just the one, which is I'm going to talk about first, it's the, the four-month sleep regression. It's known as that in the sleep world. It can actually occur anytime between three and five months. It's usually between three and a half to five months. So this sleep, it's a result of several developmental changes. This is a big one. And every baby is going to experience some sort of disruption at this time because of these changes that's happening. And I have touched on these before, but I'm going to go over them here again because it's really important to understand this change because this is a permanent change that's happening with your baby. And that's why every child is going to have some disruptions around this three to five month period with sleep. So the sleep cycle transition, that's a big one here. So melatonin and circadian rhythms begin to control baby's sleep, which they previously did not. The actual sleep cycle lengthens and your newborn baby's uh, sleep cycle stages. They go from two stages to five stages. And those five stages are what adults have. It's the same sleep cycle adults have. It's just a shorter one for your little one. And 
more of those stages are going to be lighter sleep. So the stages of just falling asleep and then the stages of almost partial arousal, which is being slightly awake between cycles. So there's going to be more opportunities for them to be in very light sleep, which at first when they're transitioning to this phase is going to lead to lots more wakings. Also partial arousals, everyone has them. We have them every night. This is when you wake up in the middle of the night and you need to go to the bathroom or you're, you're fixing your covers or it's too hot. I probably wake up two to three times a night on average with these partial arousals. And what it is, is just when you have a partial arousal, which everyone has in every sleep cycle, if all the conditions that you need to fall right back to sleep are not met, then you wake up and then you need to fix those conditions. So that's what's happening with your child when they're waking up every, you know, 50 minutes, every 60 minutes, they're waking up after every sleep cycle because they haven't learned how to join those sleep cycles yet. So there's that 45 minute nap intruder. That's a common um, phrase that you hear around the three to five month period. And that's why, because your child is waking up after every sleep cycle, they have not learned whatsoever how to soothe themselves back to sleep. So they need our help. Your child is also beginning to understand cause and effect. So for example, when I cry, mom comes to me or dad comes to me. They're beginning to understand object permanence, which is um, I talked about in great detail in my separation anxiety podcast. And if you have a little one who is around the age of this transition, three to five months, it may be worth listening to that podcast because I do give you lots of tools on how to help your child kind of get through or get over this initial hump of separation anxiety. So object permanence is when things are not in baby's sight, they're still, they still exist. So things like playing peekaboo or playing hide and seek with their toys will help them see when this thing is not here, when it's hidden with the blanket, it's still there. So get starting to understand that concept causes them some anxiety because they know when you're not right in front of them, you're somewhere and they want you. They want to be close to you. The next transition is eight to 10 months. It's around there. So this one is typically because of lots of cognitive development, lots of physical development happening between eight to 10 months, usually crawling, sitting, pulling up, something like that, or some or all of those is happening around this stage of development. They're starting to understand language. They're starting to put put things and people and um, objects into different categories in their in their minds. Separation anxiety is very prominent with this transitional phase, and it's simply because of all the independence that they're gaining very rapidly. Their world is enlarging very quickly with all the understanding they're having, and also the fact that they're more able to be independent from you. So. They might get nervous by the fact that they can crawl away from you and they might cling to you a little more during this phase. And that's totally natural. They haven't learned that they're a separate being from you yet. They still consider themselves a part of their parents. And so it's kind of nerve wracking for them to separate from something that they see as part of themselves. There's also a nap transition that usually happens around this age. So if your child is still taking that third kind of cat nap, um, which it should be like a cat nap by the time they reach eight to 10 months, it should be about 30 minutes or less to get them to bedtime. They probably will lose that nap between eight to 10 months and that's normal and healthy. Bedtime will move a little bit earlier and then the third nap will go away. So if you find, and I did cover this in my nap 
uh, my nap episode. But if you find that your child is having trouble falling asleep at bedtime around eight to 10 months, it's probably due to this um, third cat nap no longer being necessary. So that can be part of sleep challenges popping up around this age. And it's simply because your child is getting too much daytime sleep or they're not tired enough at bedtime, which can lead to lots of problems. Also, teething can be pretty prominent around this age, so that can also cause some sleep disruptions, although not as much as people tend to think. And I did do an entire podcast on teething as well. So there's lots of other resources for you guys to check out. If your child is in one of these phases, you can go and check out any one of those podcasts and it'll give you more in-depth information. Like I said, I have so much to cover in this episode. I want to just move through it a little bit quickly. And I am going to give you guys, of course, lots of ways to help your child and yourself through these kinds of transitions or regressions. So I want to really focus on the solution. So that's why I'm kind of moving through this quickly for you guys. Around 12 months, some children have this one and some children don't. It's not as common to have a 12-month period of sleep disruption, but there can be um, issues with naps around this age. So your child can start to protest. Usually it's afternoon nap if they sleep in the morning or take a real big morning nap. Sometimes they're just not tired enough to take an afternoon nap. And for a 12-month-old, that's problematic because a 12-month-old still cannot stay awake for long stretches of time before bedtime. Now, that can cause sleep disruptions um, because if your child's overtired at bedtime, it's the beginning of all kinds of problems, especially if it's cyclical, if it becomes repetitive. A big leap. Some children start walking around this age. There's also lots of cognitive development, as always, going on. Keep in mind that most children don't drop the second nap, that afternoon nap, until 15 to 18 months. So it should try to be preserved as close to that time as possible because a 12-month-old, as I said, really needs a period of rest. It needs a couple, they need a couple periods of rest before bedtime. It's just too much for them to be awake and their body starts to produce the cortisol and adrenaline that's going to push them awake. It's going to make them hyper and potentially more aggressive. So we don't, we don't want that to happen. So to keep encouraging this nap is a great way to try to help your child through this period. If they're having trouble sleeping around 12 months, it's usually stemming from the nap, but could also be because they're learning new skills. So the 15 month sleep regression, it's usually because of dropping down to one nap, So two naps are too much. One is too little a lot of the time. And this is with any nap transition. There's usually a period, it's not going to be smooth. There's usually a period of time where your child's going to take two naps one day and then one nap the other day. And you're just going to need to move bedtime earlier. This is the time when bedtime does move uh, a little bit earlier when you do drop that second nap because you still need to kind of close the gap on how long your child is awake throughout the day. Early morning wakings and night wakings can signal a scheduling issue at this age. So we may need to look at limiting naps, working on timing of naps, or how do we space them out? So wake windows, which is a topic I talk about a lot on this podcast, or again, earlier bedtime. So the 15-month period is a period of also big developmental changes. Your child's, you know, could be saying their first words, or getting ready to, they're absorbing so much language around them. By 18 months, your child can understand almost everything you're saying to them, even if they can't respond to it. 
So imagine how much language and cognitive development is happening for them. Also, just understanding relationships is going on throughout all this time. And again, that separation from between you and your child is gradually happening. They're gradually starting to understand that they're separate beings from you. And so there can be separation anxiety throughout any of these periods of leaps forward. There can be separation anxiety. So increased clinginess and fussiness. 18 months. This is usually one of the ones that, again, a lot of children experience, just like the four-month regression. Your toddler is learning independence, opinions. They're also experiencing very rapid development, emotional development at this age. There's a circadian rhythm shift that happens, which shifts the bedtime a little bit later, naturally within their bodies. And the period before bedtime, biologically, is one where we tend to have a burst of energy within us. And this goes for children and adults alike. For example, if your child's bedtime is shifting back a little naturally, biologically in their body, and we're still trying to put them down at their old, previous, uh, previously acceptable bedtime, they're having that surge of energy during the period when you're trying to get them to sleep because their body is actually preparing them to sleep a little bit later. I hope I explained that <laughs> well. Sometimes I understand things in my mind because I've just studied them and um, applied them for so long and I have a hard time explaining some. So I hope that makes sense. That's why having a period of connected, a connected play, child-led play, or sometimes uh, you know, silly play before bedtime can be really, really useful, particularly with a toddler between toddler to like, you know, uh, six, seven years old, because your child does have this burst of energy right before bedtime and it can help to regulate the hormones for sleep. And it also connects you and your child. So especially during this period of time when your child is experiencing separation anxiety because of big independence happening for them. You know, they're starting to get their own opinions and they're starting to test you more and they're starting to be able to physically be more independent, um, getting more confidence. They're going to have a surge in separation anxiety. So usually the nine, nine month around there and then the 18 month periods are when you'll see this big surge in separation anxiety and having connected play, particularly before bed and then having a nice calming, connected bedtime routine that's consistent are going to both go a long way in reassuring your child. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to experience sleep disruptions, but it's probably going to be less dramatic and it might be for less of a period of time. You know, the safer your child feels, the more reassured your child feels through these periods of separation anxiety, the kind of less painful these periods are going to be. Around this age, and maybe even a little bit sooner than this, but toddlerhood is the time of experimentation. Your child is going to experiment with cause and effect, which they started to learn way back between three and five months old, and commonly misinterpreted by parents as manipulation. So if they cry and then you come in the room and pick them up and they're fine and they're laughing and then you put them down and they cry again, some parents might think this is manipulation. What it is, is your child experimenting with what happens when I cry. Does mom come back every single time? Now, there's nothing wrong with going to your child when they're crying. 
Now, if you see a pattern of constantly this happening, you might want to take a look at what your response is. If you're fine with going in repetitively and it's not bothering you and you don't mind going in every single time, then don't change a thing. If it's starting to be problematic where you're going in 10, 15, 20 times before your child will fall asleep, then that is when it's time to maybe look at your response, try something different. And then if that's not working, perhaps get an expert's opinion, a sleep consultant, or look at a sleep book. A two-year-old sleep regression. So I think two and three-year-old sleep is some of the most difficult and complicated years for sleep. I did a whole podcast on toddler sleep because there's just so many things going on for your toddler. Signs of the two-year sleep regression can be trouble settling at bedtime, nap refusal, early waking, night waking. So basically every problem you can possibly have. The night waking might also start to be caused by nighttime fears or nightmares, which can start around this age. Children are absorbing more of the world around them. They're potentially getting exposed to more things, either within the home, like seeing things on TV or on the computer, or, um, you know, they can even be frightened by things that might not be frightening to us. And I do talk about this in my nighttime fears podcast, that things that are scary to children we might not notice are scary to us. And so that's why talking to our children, trying to figure out what the root of these night wakings are, um, if they're waking up scared, it's really important because then we can help to reassure them once we know where the root cause of the fear is coming from. Now, some children can't vocalize as well, but if you question them enough or even let them draw about it, you know, then sometimes you can get to the, the root of the issue that's causing them fears. And that can be really powerful to help reassure them because you start to give them, you start to help them see that they have the power to be okay at night, even when they're scared, because there's things that are real and there's things that are imaginary. There's uh, the, you know, two-year molars that come in around this time. And those can cause some issues if your child is teething, if they're about to come through, because those are big ones and they hurt. The ones that have a lot of surface area, the teeth that have a lot of surface area are more, much more painful. So if your child is suddenly having problems falling asleep and they're gnawing on their hands or they're gnawing on things in the back of their mouth and they're very upset and seem like they're in pain, it's probably the two, two-year molars. And then you need to go to what is your teething plan for your child. Nap resistance. That's a big one. And I do have a full episode on naps where I talk about how to guide your child through. And I also talk about this in my toddler sleep podcast. Developmental reasons can cause nap resistance. Your child's getting ready to drop a nap or they might just be too stimulated because of development. They might just want to play with you instead of taking a nap. At this age, children understand that there are things happening in the home and in the world when they're in their bed sleeping and they would much rather be a part of things that are fun. You know, two-year-olds definitely start to have FOMO where they don't want to miss out on anything that's going on, especially with their favorite person or people in the world who are their parents. A really good uh, thing to keep in mind is try to keep your two-year-old in their crib as long as possible. Try different things such as turning the crib around to face the wall, lowering the mattress all the way down to the floor, and then putting your child in a sleep sack. Or there's also special pajamas. I can't remember the name of them. There's special pajamas I talked about in my uh, toddler sleep podcast. They have like a little band between the thighs that prevent climbing out of the crib. So those are just things you can try, but a lot of two-year-old sleep 
challenges. Two-year-olds in beds are just caused because your child can get out of the bed and they don't have the self-control yet to be able to stay in the bed. You can see how all these different periods have big developmental leaps associated with them. And that's what I want you to see as the common denominator here, developmental leap and separation anxiety. And that is what is at the root of a lot of these sleep disruptions, which are commonly known as sleep regressions. You can also hopefully see by my descriptions how there's very general periods of age where these big leaps are happening. But as I said in the beginning of explaining this, it can be different for every child because every child develops differently. So even siblings are going to develop differently. They may have leaps and they may have sleep challenges at different periods of time. You know, some children might bypass that 12 and 15 months sleep challenge period. Some children might have all of these sleep challenges and more that I've listed. So what to do about sleep regressions? First, I want you to keep in mind that now is not the time to make any major changes if you can possibly help it or to begin a rigid sleep training program. So if you notice the signs that your child is going through a sleep regression, if your child is going through a developmental leap period and then that's causing sleep disruptions, it's not the time to start doing cry it out with your child because your child is definitely going to be experiencing some separation anxiety when they're experiencing a developmental leap. And the, you know, the worst possible thing we can do is to separate more from your child when your child actually needs you more. They need your support more. There's no mistake in the fact that your child is more clingy, more fussy, more needy, you know, um, crying for you and then being okay when you come in the room. It's because they need you. Your child is not trying to manipulate you. Your child actually knows what they need. Going back to the basics, this is a very powerful one. Check in with your schedule. Is it age appropriate? If your child is missing naps, are you compensating with an earlier bedtime? Is your sleep environment conducive to sleep? Are you getting enough connected time with your child? Is your child getting enough physical activity? Is there internal and external stress within the home? All of those basic foundations of sleep are very, very important. If those things are not in place, your child may not even be going through a sleep regression. They might just have a sleep challenges, a sleep challenge as a result of their sleep foundations not being in place or not being correct. Don't rush in right away. Give space for settling. Give space for exploring skills. If your baby is not upset, if they're just talking to themselves, if they're just playing, let them be. There's no reason to go in to a child who is talking or playing, or even if you hear some sounds, but they're not crying, Um, especially younger babies, but Sometimes it depends on your child individually. Let me let me say let me say it that way. Um, some children are just noisy sleepers, just like some adults talk in their sleep or make noises in their sleep. And your child may not even be awake. Your child may be crying out in a dream. They might be crying out in the middle of a sleep cycle. So by you being able to pause for one minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever you decide you're going to try to pause for when you hear your child in the middle of the night. It gives your child the opportunity to A, learn how to be okay by themselves for those few moments in their sleep area. B, 
if they're still sleeping, you don't wake them up because then they will settle themselves back down and see if they're working on skills or if they're playing or talking. It's good because they're comfortable within their sleep area and you don't want to disturb that. We can often reinforce wakings by going in when we're not even needed by our child. So if you can start off with two minutes, that's a great period of time. But if you can't tolerate that long, even one minute, and even if your child is crying, but they're not very upset, just give it a try. You know, let your child see that they have the power to calm themselves. Even if you give them a little one minute window just to see that I'm okay when I'm here in my sleep area by myself, it can go a long way. You know, in the future, when you want to work on your child um, being able to soothe themselves a little more, those little snippets of time when you're giving them uh, opportunity to soothe themselves, it's building their confidence in the ability to soothe themselves. And it's also building trust in you because you do come in eventually providing consistency in routine schedules and responses. So if you don't already have consistency in these things in place, it's going to be really hard to get through a period of these sleep regressions or these developmental leaps without turning whatever your responses are into habitual wakings. So having a bedtime routine in place, having an age-appropriate schedule in place, having some limits in place. For example, we only read two books at bedtime. We only sing two songs is really good. Setting limits and sticking to them for the most part, you know when your child needs you more. So if your child is becoming, you know, if they're usually really good about reading two books and then one night they just really want to read one more book with you. If you are feeling that pull in your heart to read one more book with your child, go ahead and do it. I always tell parents that your intuition is much more honest and much more powerful than any parenting book, than any expert, any podcast. You know, finding the balance between offering comfort to your child, but then not beginning new habits, that's where the balance lies. So you use your intuition and your heart to guide you through those periods of time when your child is being more needy or being more clingy because as I said a few moments ago, they're doing that because they need you. So trust your instincts on that. Parents' instincts are so powerful. And I try to work with the parents that come to me by encouraging them to trust their intuition on their child. So having a clear and defined end to the bedtime routine is also really good. As I mentioned earlier, And then choosing a response that you can be consistent with. So once you have that defined end to the bedtime routine, whatever that looks like for you and your family, choose your response that you and your partner can both be consistent on. So an example is a scripted response where you come in and say, time to sleep, night, night, and then you leave. Something like that, staying in the room to soothe your child, sitting in a chair next to your child. If your child's getting out of bed, you can choose the response that works for you, you know, just Have something ahead of time. Have something ahead of time that you agree on with your partner. This can potentially stop new, you know, habits from forming during these periods of regression. Because if your child knows what to expect, it's reassuring to them. Even if they, even if they um, protest against it, if you are consistent enough, your child will just accept that this is the way things are. Remember that limits are reassuring to your child. 
but it's developmentally natural for them to try to test these limits. So just because your child is protesting something doesn't mean you don't try to put limits on them. You know, if your child is needs to get their, um, you know, vaccinations and they need to go to the doctor just because they're crying doesn't mean you pack up and leave. You know that this is healthy for your child. It's what's best for your child. So you stay and you support them through it. Well, it's the same thing with sleep challenges. You know that your child needs sleep and they need to learn how to sleep eventually on their own. And so you support them through it, however that looks for you and your family and your child. So doing what works for right now during a period of sleep regression is very important. If your child needs more rocking and holding, absolutely do that. If they want to nurse more, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what's going to help soothe your child right now. If you find things are going on for a month or more, it might be time to start to look at your responses. If something's becoming habitual, how can you modify them? If they seem to be causing more issues than solving them. So if you notice that, you know, your child is maybe past whatever developmental leap that they went through, but they're still waking multiple times a night needing you. And it's probably because they were doing that during a period of a transition and you went in and reassured them. And now they look forward to that at night. Well, then it might be time to look at how can we gradually withdraw my presence or how can I gradually withdraw my assistance and my child falling asleep if that's what you want for your child. Something else you can do if you have an older child is to offer them choices around the bedtime routine, give them little jobs to do or offer them different choices of pajamas or books. It can just help them feel more empowered. And that goes for a period of a sleep regression or any time. It can just help the bedtime routine go a lot smoother because your child feels like they they are a part of it and they feel like they have a say in what's going on. Offering an earlier bedtime if sleep is disrupted during one of these periods is really important. You know, your child needs sleep and it's okay to give your child a very early bedtime if naps have just been a mess or if the night before has just been a mess and your child is melting down. Give them an early bedtime or give them an extra long bedtime routine to calm them. And for yourself during these periods of disrupted sleep, You want to try to take advantage of any help and support that you have, whatever your support system looks like, whether it's your spouse, whether it's um, a nanny or a babysitter, family members, whoever that support system is, don't be afraid to ask for more help. If you need a night off, if you're exhausted, see if a family member can come and stay with your child for one night. Just one night of sleep can help you get back on track. Go easy on yourself during these periods of time. It's okay to order food if you need to. It's okay to leave the house uncleaned or cluttered. You'll get there. But your sanity is so much more important than a clean house or a home-cooked meal. And trust me, your child doesn't care. They would rather have you present for them than anything else. Also, one more thing is to assess uh, separation anxiety. One way you can do this is during wakeful hours, if your child plays fine by themselves and they're happy when you're there and then you get up and leave or you get up and walk across the room and they get upset, they're probably in a period of separation anxiety. And then there are many different tools and activities that you can do to help them understand separation is okay and that you do come back. And again, I cover lots of these ways of helping your child cope 
in my Separation Anxiety podcast. I have a reflection for this week, and it's actually not something I came up with, but a resource that I came across as I was researching this podcast. And I think it's a really great resource. It's actually a quiz on babysleepsite.com. And I will leave the link if you want to go and take this quiz, but it asks, um, it asks several questions to get to the bottom of, is this actually a sleep regression or is this something else? Because if it is a period of sleep regression or developmental leap, then you know that you can respond in, in a way that you would when your child needs more reassurance for a period of time. If it's not a developmental leap or a sleep regression and it's just a sleep challenge, then there may be other issues underneath that that need to be addressed. And it may be time to start looking at some of those underlying issues. So that's why it is really important to discern what it is because then you know where to start addressing it. So some of the questions, I'll just give some examples are, my child is currently learning a new skill. My child usually sleeps well at night, but recently he's been waking more frequently than normal. My child has been crying and fussing more than usual lately. So those are some of the questions and they give you a little rating scale and then you can get your results and it'll tell you if it's a sleep regression or if they think it's something else. So it's a really cool tool to use if you're just not sure, because as I said, lots of parents are confused about sleep regressions and sleep regressions, much like teething, gets blamed for any sleep challenge under the sun. And a lot of times it it is not a what is categorized as sleep regression. A lot of times it's many different factors at play that's causing your child's sleep challenges to happen. So hopefully this podcast gives you some insight into what this term sleep regression means and how it might play out in your child's development. And also hopefully gets you thinking a little bit differently about it, that it's not actually a bad thing for your child to have one of these periods, but it's actually a sign that they're developing naturally, that they're leaping forward, that their understanding is growing. It's a really cool thing. And, you know, they just get nervous. Just like if we were starting a new job, a new college, we get nervous, right? Even though it's a big, exciting thing and we're getting more independence, we're still nervous. It's the same thing for your child during these periods of time. And so they do need more reassurance from us. So if you feel in your gut that your child really needs you, even though they previously maybe were pretty good sleepers or able to self-soothe more, then don't hesitate to go to your child and give them what they need. Don't be afraid that you're going to ruin whatever sleep work you've done or ruin your child's sleep for good. It's important to trust your instincts as a parent. You know, they're given to us for a reason. Tuning out all the noise in the world, all the experts sometimes can be really helpful. So, you know, I hope that this encourages you to think about this topic in a little bit of a different way. If you enjoy the little sleep show, I encourage you to please rate and review on Podbean or on iTunes. It helps get this information out to more people because it'll kind of bump it up on the charts. I always encourage you guys to reach out to me on Instagram 
or on Facebook, send me a send me a message. Let me know if some of the things that I've talked about in this podcast are working for you. I love to hear when parents have heard a podcast and something they've applied works for them and they have that aha moment. It's so cool for me because I'm doing this because I'm very passionate about child sleep and I know how important it is for the whole family to have their child sleeping well. So please don't be shy in reaching out to me. And also if there's something you really wanna hear about on an episode, I am more than happy to cover topics that my listeners want to hear about. That's why I'm here is to help you guys. That's my show for this week. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Take care of yourselves and each other and remember to be kind. Bye. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, follow us on Instagram and Facebook for tips on sleep and a whole lot more. See you next week.